This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read and recorded by Betsy Bush, Marquette, Michigan, October 2006. Gawain and the Green Knight, a fairy tale, by Charlton Minor Lewis. Canto Two, Elfinhart. In Canto One, I followed the old rule we learned from Horace when we went to school, and took a headlong plunge in medias res, as Marrow did, and blind Maonides. And now, still following the ancient mode, I come to the time-honored episode. Retrace my way some twenty years or more and tell you what I should have told before. It seems an awkward method, but it's art. Besides, it brings us back to Elfinhart. In those dark days before King Arthur came, when Britain was laid waste with sword and flame, when cutthroats lurked behind the blossoming thorn, and young maids cursed the day when they were born, a lady widowed in one hideous night fled over heath and hill, and in her flight came to the magic willow woods that stand beside the murmuring mere in fairyland. And there, untimely by the forest side, clasping her infant in her arms, she died. Yet not all friendless, for such mortal throes pass not unpitied, though no mortal knows, the spirits that infest the clearer air looked down upon the innocent lady there, while troops of fairies smoothed her mossy bed and with sweet balsam pillowed her fair head. Her dim eyes could not see them, but she guessed whose gentle ministrations thus had blessed her travail. And when pitying fairies laid upon her heart the child, a blue-eyed maid, ere yet her troubled spirit might depart, with one last word she named her Elfinhart. So with new quickened love the fairy elves took the forlorn child-maiden to themselves, and reared her in the wild wood, where no jar of alien discord echoing from afar broke the sweet forest murmur long years round, her ears attuned to every woodland sound, translated to her soul the great world's voice, and the world's spirit made her heart rejoice. The love was hers, perennial, intense, the love that wells from joy and innocence, and sanctifies the cloistered heart of youth, the love of love, of beauty, and of truth. So Elfinhart grew up, each passing year of forest life beside the murmuring mere, enriched tenfold the natural dower of grace that shone from the pure spirit in her face. I cannot tell why each revolving season enhanced her beauty thus. Some say the reason was in the stars. I think those luminaries had less to do with it than had the fairies. The more they found of grace in her, the more their silent influence added to her store. For they were always with her, they and she still bore each other loving company. 
and yet one further virtue not the least of those that make life lovable increased in elfinhart's sweet nature from her birth by fairy tutelage and that was mirth for fairy natures are compounded all of whimsies and of freaks fantastical and what the best of fairies loves the best except pure kindless is an artless jest and so wise men have argued on the whole that the misguided creatures have no soul but as for me if the bright fairy elf has none i'll get along without myself these fairies laughed and danced and sang sweet songs and did all else that in their craft belongs all tricks and pranks of whole-souled jollity that make life merry neath the greenwood tree the youngest of them childishly beguiled the time when elfinhart was still a child they pinched her fingers and they pulled her ears or sometimes when her blue eyes dreamed of tears half smothered her with showers of four-leafed clover then fled for refuge to some sweet fern cover but she pursued them through their tangled lair and caught them and put fireflies in their hair and then they all joined hands and round and round they danced a morris on the moonlit ground the years went by and elfinhart outgrew the madcap antics of the younger crew for fairies age but slowly don't forget that at two hundred they are children yet but still she frolicked with them though scarce of them and learned each year more tenderly to love them but most of all she loved with all her heart on quiet summer nights to walk apart and hold close converse with a fairy's queen a radiant maiden princess who has seen some twenty centuries of revolving suns pass over fairyland all golden ones sometimes they sat still in the mild moon's light where chestnut blooms made sweet in breath of night and talked of the great world beyond the wood of death or sin or sorrow understood of neither till the twinkling stars were gone and bustling chanticleer proclaimed the dawn and elfinhart grew wise in fairy learning but by degrees a half-unconscious yearning for humankind stirred in her gentle heart and woke a deep desire to bear her part of love and sorrow in the larger life as sister helper nay perhaps as wife for such vague instincts after all are human and elfinhart herself was but a woman and yet for all this new desire i doubt if elfinhart would e'er have spoken out and told the fairies of her wish to leave them a wish her conscious heart well knew would grieve them if in the ripening of her silent thought a still voice had not whispered that she ought to leave that world of love and mirth and beauty to share man's burden in this world of duty there's anticlimax for you most provoking just when you thought that i was only joking or idly fingering the poet's laurel to find my story threatens to be moral but as for morals though in verse we scout them in life we somehow can't get on without them so if i don't insert a moral distich once in a while i can't be realistic 
and in this tale i solemnly aver my one wish is to tell things as they were but not all things time flies and art is long and i must hurry onward with my song how elfinhart at last told what she wanted and what the fairies said please take for granted she prayed they yielded elfinhart full loth to leave as they to let her go but both agreeing that this bitter thing must be for they were fairies and a mortal she but ere they yielded they made imposition of what then seemed to her a light condition twas done in kindness but it understood with fairy foresight for the maiden's good the elf queen spoke for all dear elfinhart we bind you to one promise ere we part we fear naught from men's malice hate and wrath and every evil thing will shun your path and sunshine will go with you when you move the only danger that we dread is love if in the after days when suitors woo you your heart makes choice of one as dearest to you before you put your hand in his and own the sacred trust reserved for him alone let us make trial of him and approve his virtue and his manhood and his love send him to us and if he bears the test and if we find him worthy to be blessed with love like yours be sure we will befriend him and may a lifelong happiness attend him but if he prove a traitor or faint-hearted or if his love and he are lightly parted in the deep willow woods he shall remain and never look upon your face again the maiden fancy free was well content and with light laughter gave her full consent for when maids think of love as maidens do it seems a far-off thing and well she knew her lover if she loved would be both brave and true not long thereafter came an errant band riding along the edge of fairyland stout men-at-arms without reproach or spot and in the lead the bold sir lancelot he riding on ahead silent alone was stopped by a beseeching ancient crone who hobbled to his side as if in pain and clutched with palsied fingers at his rein and there behind her from the leafage green the sweetest eyes his eyes had ever seen were gazing at him with wide wonderment nor bold nor fearful innocence unshent shone from their blue depths and old dreams awoke in lancelot's breast while thus the beldame spoke a boon a boon sir lancelot of the lake i pray you of your courtesy to take this damsel to the king her enemies have spoiled her of her birthright and she flees an innocent outcast from the wasted lands to lay her life and fortune in his hands she spoke and vanished in the woodland shade then lancelot leaning over helped the maid to mount behind and at an easy trot they and the troop rode on to camelot he asked no questions for some fairy spell made light his heart and told him all was well 
and as these two rode through the land together by dappled greenwood shade and sunlit heather her soft voice in his ears the innocent charm of her light steady touch upon his arm wrought magic in his soul that day i ween sir lancelot well nigh forgot his queen and elfinhart you knew those eyes were hers laughed with the silvery jingle of his spurs and from her heart the new world's rapture drove all thought of fairyland excepting love and so to high-towered camelot they came the golden city now a shadowy name for over heath-clad hills the wild winds blow where arthur's halls a thousand years ago bright with all far-fetched gems of curious art shone brighter with the eyes of elfinhart she came to camelot the king receives her and there are five glad years my story leaves her five glad years and this episode is done and we are back again at canto one i write of merry jest in greenwood shade but tales of chivalry are not my trade so if you wish to read that five years story of lady love romance and marital glory the mighty feats of arms that gawain did the ever-ripening love that gawain hid five long years in his breast biding his time go seek it in some abler poet's time my tale begins with a young knight's brave soul all elfin hearts she thinks herself heart whole but at that christmas feast in arthur's hall with knight's soft mantle folded over all the magic influence of the evening tide stole on their two hearts beating side by side and gawain talked of troubles long ago when each man's neighbor was his dearest foe and of the trials he himself had passed and the high purpose that from first to last had been his stay and spur he scarce knew how since on excalibur he took the vow he told of his own hopes for future days and how he wrought and fought not for men's praise though like all good men gawain held that dear yet trusting when men laid him on his bier they might remember as they gathered round it he left this good world better than he found it he talked as true men seldom talk unless swayed utterly by some pure passion's stress and ever gently though with heart on fire still hovered nearer to his soul's desire and elfinhart in gravest silence listened but her sweet heart beat high her blue eyes glistened for as he bared his soul to her she dreamed a day-dream strange and new wherein it seemed that in that soul's clear depth she saw her own and his most secret thought still then unknown seemed hers eternally he spoke of death and then her heart shrank and she drew deep breath suddenly ere she understood at all what new life dawned before her came the call of fairy horns and so the green knight burst upon the scene as told in canto first one jarring note the tuneful chords among may make mad discord of the sweetest song 
and so with dissonant clamor through the breast of gawain's ring the green knight's merry jest but what wild meaning must it not impart to the vague fears of gentle elfinheart for she had heard in the first trumpet blast a signal to her from the far-gone past and now of all the strange things that had been her half-forgotten compact with the queen flashed through her memory and a swift thought came like sudden fear a thought without a name an unvoiced question and a blind alarm and in sheer helplessness she reached an arm toward gawain scarcely knowing what she would her eyes beheld him and she understood and is it gawain he yes elfinheart the hour has come and you must play your part so now it's all explained and i intend to go straight onward to the story's end sir gawain had cut off the green knight's head and arthur and his court had gone to bed in the great hall the dying embers shone with a faint ghostly gleam and there alone while all the rest of camelot was sleeping in the dark alcove elfinheart lay weeping but as she lay there all about her head there fell a checkered beam of moonlight shed through the barred casement and she faintly stirred for in her troubled soul it seemed she heard vague music from some region far away she raised her head and turning where she lay saw in the silver moonlight the serene and tranquil beauty of the fairy queen we sent before you called us elfinheart for love lent keener magic to our art and warned us of the thoughts that in your breast awoke new rapture trembling unconfessed and elfinheart moved closer to her knees and hid her face in the white draperies that veiled the fairy form till nestling there her heart recovered from the blank despair and whispered her that whatsoe'er befell love ruled the world and all would yet be well and the good fairy stroked the maiden's head and kissed her tear-starred eyes and smiling said fie on you women's hearts consistency hides her shamed head where mortal women be true love breeds faith and trust it makes hearts strong the heart's anointed king can do no wrong and yet you weep as if you feared to prove him upon my word i don't believe you love him and elfinheart replied laugh if you will my queen but let me be a woman still you fairies love where love is wise and just we mortal women love because we must and if i feared to prove him i confess i fear i still must love him none the less she paused for once again her eyes grew dim think you i love his virtues i love him but yet you judged me wrongly for believe me and then laugh once again and so forgive me if at the first i feared what you might do my doubts were not of gawain but of you 
and so both laughed, and for a little space folded each other in a glad embrace. For fairies, bathed the whole year round in bliss, may yet be gladdened by a fair maid's kiss. And Elfinheart spoke, Do what you will, I trust you with my all, and fear no ill. But, oh, my friend, to wait the long, long year, to keep my heart in silence, not to hear the words my whole soul hungers for, nor say one syllable to brighten his dark day. Must it be so, my queen? And how shall I, school eyes and lips, to act this year-long lie? From the dear teacher-guardian of my youth, the only ways I learned were ways of truth. I tried my skill this night, and learned to know that there are deeps below the deeps of woe. Hearts may be bruised and broken, yet still live. The wounds that kill us are the wounds we give. And so these two talked on until the night began to shiver with the gray dawn's light, and in the deep-eyed casement they might see new life flush through old dreams of chivalry, and then they parted. What the queen had said I know not, but the lady, comforted, bade farewell with calm voice and tranquil eyes, and saw with new-born strength the new sun rise. Perhaps in fairyland there chanced to be, for them that grieve some sovereign alchemy, to turn the worst to best. And the good queen applied the soothing balm. Such things have been, but yet I doubt if any fairy art was needed in the case of Elfinheart. The medicine that charmed away her dull nature, and planted in her own sweet soul, of all sure things this thing I'm surest of, that the best cure for love's own ills is love. End of Canto 2